Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get the lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. But I'm going to tell you this we ain't done yet. Howdy. Welcome in and welcome back to the Inoculus Podcast. I'm your host, Will Stone. He's Chase Caldwell. I'm Chase Caldwell. A little early morning pod. He's Chase Caldwell. (laughs) (laughs) A little early morning pod to pull the curtain back. We typically record uh, in the afternoons and evenings, but uh, something just felt a little different today. We wanted to, you know, uh, get up and and record on the day we plan on releasing. It is 6-9. Big day. It's launch day. So, Chase, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm ready to go, ready to get uh, this stuff out there, ready for all of my buddies to send me text messages, making fun of me on uh, things that I said in the first episode or maybe this episode. Um, so <laughs> just can't wait. You know, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. This is what we do it for. You know, we got our <laughs> our, our intro episode out of the way, uh, which was was good, but this is the stuff that, that we're really excited about. This is the like the, the content that we plan on, on providing, you know, week in and week out. We're we're pumped to get started. Yeah, listen to that first episode. Like we, we did, we did good. I mean, it's it was exactly what we needed it to be, um, so that people could go re- refer back to it later on, know who we are and kind of what our background is and things like that, without having to listen to an hour long episode of, you know, old recruiting information. Uh, so that's what we wanted it for, but it was a really awkward one to record because it's like, it's like being in an interview. You're like telling about yourself, but like you don't really have a topic to talk about. So, um, I'm, I'm excited. I I think anybody that listened to our first one and came back for the second one, number one, thank you. And, and welcome back. Um, if this is your first time listening to us, I think you'll have a much better representation of what this podcast is really going to sound like <laughs> because right. even though that first one's a great episode i think this one will be more more in tune to what we're shooting for so um i'm i'm glad Absolutely. to have anybody listening and um we've got a good show for you today yeah and we appreciate you listening and while we're at it before we get too far into the weeds uh go hit subscribe on our podcast uh, give us a five star rating that really boosts our our visibility with Apple and kind of helps us uh, gain some more some more followers and move up some lists. Um, go follow at Ineligible Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Willstone CFB. You can follow Chase on Twitter at Texas Aggies fifteen. So, with that being said, let's get into it. Um, you know, I know it's June, but there's kind of a there's kind of a college football uh, buzz uh, going on right now. Yeah, there is. Uh, I feel like there's there's been big news, you know, uh, each day with uh, recruits getting back on campus, and uh, you know, there's some playoff talk and stuff like that. And there's a bear on the loose. We'll get into that <laughs> at a later date, but just uh, keep that in mind. Um, our our topic today is uh, 
just the overall state of the A&M program. Um, we talked, you know, on our intro show about how A&M is, you know, primed to enter its golden era. And uh, but like we just wanted to get into that a little bit more and uh, tell you why we feel that way. And it's not because we just went nine and one. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, fans of opposing uh, fan bases that think like, oh, like A&M just had their best year ever and now they're all cocky and uh, things like that. But uh, I think Chase and I both expect um, even much better things than last year. Like last year uh, was far from our our high watermark under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be um, set up that, of course, we've already talked about. We've talked about at length in the past, but um, there's just a, a, a lot of factors in play um, that any any factor that you go th- go to, if you say, okay, well, let's talk recruiting. Well, recruiting isn't everything, you know, and then, okay, let's talk player development. Well, player development isn't everything. Let's talk coaching. Coaching isn't everything. But each thing that you talk about, even though it's not everything, each one is better than what we've had in the past. And so, um, yeah, and it all works together, not to dog on anything that we've had in the past. And I, I think both you and I feel that way that, um, we always want to make sure that whenever we, we compliment what's going on now, or we compliment what's, you know, something going on with the team, like, Oh man, the, the receivers look fantastic. That's really not there to kind of dog on anybody else. Um, but, you know, just the setup of what we've got in our program, I think, is is something that, um, you know, there's a lot to be excited about, and we're going to dig into that today. Yeah, let's talk good jobs for a second, because I feel like people see these. Uh, it happens every offseason, or at least every time uh, a quote-unquote blue blood program is changing coaches. They're like, oh, uh, uh, Georgia is the best job in the country. Texas is the best job in the country. And like, uh, I think when you get down to it, there's probably 15 to 20 pretty like, like good jobs, like that have the, the resources, the commitment, uh, to win at a high level. And A&M is one of those now. Um, it maybe wasn't in the past. Uh, I know we had some, some really good solid years under Jackie, uh, and under RC, but, um, the level of commitment from the donors, uh, the money coming in from the SEC, um, all of that, uh, and good leadership at the top. Um, we had a good AD, uh, Scott Woodward, who's now at LSU, who brought in Jimbo and uh, our new AD, Ross Bjork, um, this morning just hired uh, the TCU baseball coach, Jim Schlossnagel, to replace uh, Rob Childress. So um, the the money and leadership is definitely there to uh, compete at the highest level. And um, that's what we expect to see. Yeah. And, and I think uh, when you're talking good jobs, it, it depends on who you're talking to. You know, if, if you're talking to an average fan, they're going to attribute a good job to teams who have won in the past, you know, and have a track record of winning. Um, if you talk to a coach, you might get a different story. You know, they're going to want support from from the donors. They're going to want support from um, the fan base as a whole. And more more importantly than anything else, they're going to want support from their administration. And um, right. you find that around the around the country. I, I think 
in the modern day of college football, we've really, really gotten into this thing where it's a win at all cost mentality. And um, this is something we definitely will get into because, you know, it's very rare nowadays for a coach to have a contract longer than four or five years um, that they, these schools think that they should hold the feet, their coach's feet to the fire right away. And um, they don't really give them time to build. They pretend like they give them time to build. They say, okay, well, you know, we're going to, you know, we know that this year is a good, you know, is one of those years that's rebuilding and you're not going to do as well. Um, so it's okay that you had an off year this year. It's okay that you have an off year this year. But then by the third year, people are really saying like, oh, we need to, we need to fire them and get a new coach. Our last coach was better. You know, our next coach needs to be setting the world on fire. And you don't give these guys time to really build. Now, I remember that being my favorite thing about us hiring Jimbo. Uh, it still is one of my favorite things about us hiring Jimbo is that we gave him a 10-year contract, you know, and that's really rare nowadays. Um, and if you want to set yourself apart in anything, you know, you have to take risks. And if you're taking a risk by saying, hey, even though nobody else is doing this, we're going to give out this 10-year contract to a completely brand new coach to us that is unproven to be successful at our school, we're going to do it anyways. Um, you're taking a risk by doing that, sure. But I yeah, think you're and, taking uh, a really good risk. I, I mean, my opinion was absolutely. that this is this – is, fantastic because while all the other coaches around the country for the most part other than ones like Nick Saban or somebody who's who's won a tremendous amount at the school that they're currently at um they're always worried about their job they're always you know one foot out the door because they have to be you know that's the right. the culture that we've created in modern college football and really modern high school football is similar you know i mean it, it's it's right. like win or or get fired and um it, it creates a sense of there's not as much loyalty i guess you could say uh to a, to a school as if you know i know it's been like this for a long time but you just look kind of into the past and you can see coaches that it seems like just really loved the schools that they were at uh, i would say rc slocum is very much like that like you could tell he just loves a&m um and and so you just feel like you don't ever see that anymore. Um, and I don't know, I'm speaking for myself here, but I feel like Jimbo um, has fallen in love with A&M. Uh, he, he just seems like he's just a perfect fit here. And, and when you put too much pressure on somebody to be successful, um, a lot of times you end up being like Lenian of Mice and Men, you know, like you end up, just squeeze them so tight that you, you end up choking them out, you know, and um, you give somebody a little bit of leeway to do their job and look out, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think that's what we're beginning to see. I think that's a good point. Um, I think uh, at some programs and even at A&M sometimes, uh, you know, like there's, you know, boosters with a ton of money that want to micromanage and, you know, hey, I'm, I'm funding this. I want it this way. Mm -hmm. uh, the way it is right now at A&M, Jimbo is the guy. Like, he's calling all the shots. It's all on him, you know, any success or failure. You know, if he fails, hey, it's on you, Jimbo. 
uh, and we're going to have to make a change. You know, obviously not right now because we're having some success, but yeah. um, they've really put it all on him uh, to make all the decisions, uh, like who to hire as far as coaches, uh, improvements to make in terms of facilities. Um, he's kind of the, the, like the, the guy with the power in, in that regard. And back to what I was saying earlier about good jobs, I think you made, like you made a good point to where uh, we took that risk because good jobs are dependent on who the coach is. Mm-hmm. Um, every, every list that I talked about earlier will list Georgia as a better job than Alabama. Alabama has 19 titles and Georgia has one. Why is that? <laughs> right. it's, it's coaching. <laughs> they had Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. And, I mean, Georgia just hasn't found their coach yet. Yeah. Uh, Texas had Mac Brown and Daryl Royal, who were both amazing. But now they've had, you know, before that they had a bunch of coaches they didn't like that weren't successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Charlie, who was a disaster. They had Herman, who they just fired. Um, not to dog on them. Like, it's it's hard to find a good coach. They're, there's very – very few of them. And once you find one, uh, like Texas A&M saw in Jimbo, they did everything they could to get him here. A 10-year contract, $75 million, like whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's where I think, you know, again, you're taking a risk by doing that, you know, because he could have come in as a lame duck and just been like, okay, I'll just retire here, you know, and, and yeah, you know, he's guaranteed 10 years. So even if we fire him during that time, you know, we got to pay him out. Yeah. So, um he could have done and you that. You and I know that's not the case with yeah, him. Yeah, he, he could have done that. And that's what you see like like if you're if you're talking about, you know, starting a business, if you're talking about um any kind of something like that where you take somebody that's good at what they do and you just let them do it. Um then you run that risk. You run the risk of them being super lazy and just not doing anything because you're allowing them some leeway or you allow them to take their creative control and run with it. And, um, right. I think Jimbo to this point, I mean, we're four years into this thing. I think he's really proven that he's not just laying down, you know, he's not just taking an early retirement, uh, with this guaranteed contract. And so just at, at where we're at right now, uh, even if, even if Jimbo never brings a and a title, I think it was a really good decision um, by a to bring him in Absolutely. to sign that 10 year contract. Uh, I, I just think, I think no matter what we, we made a really good decision on that. And, and so I'm really, I'm really happy with that, but yeah, you're right on the, on the, you know, what's a, what's considered a good job. There's plenty around the country that people would say, <laughs> Oh, that's a great job. And if you ask anybody, they're going to refer to their alma mater as a good job. You know, they're going to know all the reasons why they love it. Um, and, and sometimes you kind of got to think about that with A&M and be like, okay, are we saying this because we love A&M so much? Um, but it's, it's just, there's so many things, um, and we'll, we'll get into it of course, but so many things that, that line up at A&M that, you know, we're the we're the closest school to one of the biggest recruiting hotbeds in the world or in the whole United States, uh, being Houston. You know we're the closest right. school to you. You can be in Houston in in an hour, hour and a half um, from College Station. That's that's huge. You know, and even I know Austin. You know, is still a, a big time contender for that, but. 
we're in between Austin and Houston. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. we're, we're closer still, to Houston from Austin. You know, <laughs> and it's still just three hours from Dallas, and it's close to you know East Texas, yeah. which is yeah. a hot a hotbed for talent. And so that's that's the next step that we're about to talk about is recruiting, and um, yeah. you know we we've got it set up as a great job, not only because we have great alumni support. You know, I mean. We would rival anybody's alumni support, and I think just about anybody I've ever talked to from any other school will always say, "Okay, yeah, Aggies are Aggies are uh, going to take care of their own." And of course, we we take right. pride in that, you know. Um, right. But when it comes to recruiting, we we're we're in one of the just deepest states that there is, if not the deepest state, you know. Um, for recruiting. And and so um, one of the things we hear with recruiting all the time is that, oh, you got to win your state. You know, don't let Alabama or somebody else come and cherry pick recruits. Well, we might have 46 blue chip recruits in one class in the state of Texas. Well, we can't pull 46 recruits in one class, you know, (laughs) so who cares if they come and cherry pick one or two of them because they're going to have to, you know. Um, Yeah. The, but whenever you're in Alabama or a Georgia or you know a Tennessee where you have two blue chip recruits in your state and we go and cherry pick that one, that's a much bigger deal, you know, because that would be yeah. as if Alabama came in and cherry picked twenty blue chip recruits from Texas, you know, just by us grabbing yeah. that one, we're we're grabbing a lot of them. So, so let's let's get into recruiting, you know, and kind of what we're looking at there. Yeah. Well, and on on that note, um, talking about cherry picking, I think it was the, the 2020 class. We had, I'm, I'm pretty sure we had the top player in Texas. I can't remember if it was Demond Demas or Jalen Jones. Um, and then we took the top player from Arkansas. We took the top player from Missouri, and the top player from Illinois. Um, so just like really, you know. Cherry picking national, uh, if you uh, either if it's a down year in state, or if maybe uh, there were some good players in those positions, but they just weren't feeling A and M for whatever reason. That happens sometimes. Yeah. But uh, as far as recruiting and like how it's different, I feel like to the 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 casual fan who doesn't follow recruiting uh, as closely as as we do, and it's not like in the in the weeds on it. Um, like they think, well. Hey, Kevin Sumlin recruited well, and and he wasn't successful. So, if Jimbo is recruiting well, then why is that any different? And uh, it's actually a drastic difference <laughs> when you really get down to it. It is. Um, I know Chase has the I know Chase has the numbers pulled up, but um, in terms of uh, so, hang on, back up one second before I get too far into this. Uh, there's a a formula. It's very simple. <laughs> it's called the uh, blue chip ratio. It was coined by. Uh, Bud Elliott, who now works for uh, 24-7 Sports. And all the blue chip ratio means is to win a national championship, you have to recruit more four and five stars than you do three stars. Mm -hmm. So your blue chip ratio of your team has to be greater than or equal to 50%. Now, it's not saying that, you know, if you recruit that percentage, you're going to win and you're going to be successful because... Uh, at one point, both Charlie Strong and Kevin Sumlin were above that threshold, but it is a requirement for winning the the whole thing, you know, which is what A&M's goal is. So 
you look at any team in the modern recruiting era, you know, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, um, they've all been above that threshold. And and I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but I do want to make this um, or just say this for anybody that's listening to us that isn't a um, – hasn't ever followed college football recruiting at all. Uh, a blue chip is considered a four or five star player. Um, so, so somebody that, um, you, you know, y'all you have the stars on all of the different recruits. So either a four star or a five star. Um, so what will, what will and I have talked at length about is, um, just the, the overall average of, how many of those players that we bring in each year are four and five star players? And so, um, you you alluded to Will, or you mentioned there that um, that okay, well, Coach Sumlin recruited well, but he didn't recruit, you know, or he still didn't have a ton of success. And there's there's some points that we'll we'll get into on that, um, but. Starting at just looking at the overall recruiting numbers, you know, 247 puts out a composite score at the end of the year um, to show what what the recruiting class ranking or, or um, what the score of the class would be. Uh, and that's not everything. Let's let's be clear that it's it's not everything, um, but it's one of those things like I mentioned earlier. Everything we're going to talk about is, oh, well, that's not everything, but yet it's good. And and that's not everything, but it's good. And once you start getting right. a whole bunch of those put together, then suddenly, okay, it may not be everything, but uh, all the things that it's not, you know, are still doing good too. So when Jimbo came in, or, or, or let's just look at Sumlin first, you know, Sumlin brought us some of the absolute best recruiting classes we had ever had to that point. Um, he was, he was really, really doing a great job um, bringing in those classes and, and he really was, was a good recruiter. And so you shouldn't ever say otherwise about someone because he did recruit very well. Um, and especially on paper. Um, so when, when you're looking at our recruiting classes during someone, um, they were some of our best classes since the modern recruiting era started. Uh, but then Jimbo came in, and his 2018 class was our, let's see, third-ranked class at the time. Um, so, so it was top three of what we had ever seen. I'm sorry, it was top four. So it was the number four class since 2000, you know, since, since this millennium. Um, he had the number number four class that Texas A&M had ever had. Um, and by the way, he, he did that with uh, the like like that was the first year of the early signing period. Yeah, and so he had, and he had, he, he had like what a month. Yeah, well, he had he had two weeks. Two to, weeks. Yeah, I mean, work, it was a very work. short period of time. Yeah, and then like pretty much everyone in the country signed signed early, so he had you know. Uh, the rest of January and that first week of February to, you know, kind of work on anyone who didn't sign, which was a much smaller pool than it would have been in, in past years. Yeah. And, and so then the next year, 2019, 
he signs the best class that we have ever signed. Uh, Texas A&M's best class ever. Was he followed that up in 2020 with Texas A&M's best class ever? So he beat his last class, you know. And then 2021, he was he he almost crested that. that he was he was close. he was about to get three in a row, and um, it, it didn't end up. Um, but he's he, 2021 became the second best class we had ever had. So it beat his original 2019 class, but it didn't beat his 2020 class. So if you're looking strictly at historical classes at Texas A&M, our best three classes ever were our last three classes. And and the way things are tracking right now, the 2022 class is setting itself up to be the best class we've ever had. And and it might be one that he sets the bar so high on that uh, maybe he never crests and, and continue, you know, he doesn't continue this track record where he just keeps setting the best class ever because, you know, maybe it's right. that, you know, he sets one so high it's hard to ever attain again. But it's just, you look at that, the best three classes are the last three classes and they're all on campus and they're all on the same team, that's right. you know, and, yep. and that's a, that's a really, really cool number. Um, yeah. But I've got the numbers for the uh, blue chip ratio too. And so so when you're looking at the blue chip ratio, you know, those four classes, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Um, now, this isn't exactly how it works, but it's just kind of, you know, easy talking points here. Um, in those four classes, total of 97 players, he signed 58 four and five star players. Um, so that gives you a 60% blue chip ratio. Um, so, so he's, he's crested that 50% number um, really well. Now, of course you would have to look at the players on the team as well. And, and some of these, right. you know, four and five star players have either gone into the, into the league or they have um, moved on for whatever reason, out. you know? So, um, right. so, it's not everything just looking at these numbers and I, I um, realize that it's just talking points. And so, um, yeah. but when you compare that to someone's numbers of 96 players and 51 blue chips, you know, he was right at 53% uh, blue chip ratio. So he had just kind of crested that. And so, yeah. Um, so if anybody ever says that someone was a bad recruiter or that he wasn't a good coach when it came to, you know, building a team or whatever, they're not necessarily right, you know, because he really was good at building and recruiting. It just didn't really get to the point that it needed to get to. But the crescendo that someone created, Jimbo continued, and that's why we're seeing um, – or that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such great recruiting right now. Um, but then we're also – I know Will um going to talk about team – or, or how those recruits fit into the team. So, so let's get into that, you know, mention, mention that or what you were telling me about, yeah. you know, um, getting the players in the right positions, you know? Yeah. Well, I've, I've got some points on, on some of the stuff you just talked about there. Yeah. Um, first, first of all, I will bet anyone $100 that this coming in class 2022 for A&M will be its best ever. And I think it won't even be close. Um, as far as our blue chip ratio, you said it's at 60%. Mm-hmm. Um, that's already, and, and this doesn't mean everything, but that's greater than what 
Jimbo had at Florida State the year that he won the title. I think they were at like 53. Oh, wow. And and that team was loaded with NFL prospects. Um, and lastly, someone was a good recruiter, but he just wasn't a great recruiter. And that's what Jimbo is. Mm-hmm. Um, just able to take it to the next level and put us among the elites. Like every year, we're going to be up there with Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. Like Anum's going to be in that company and is going to bring in that level of talent to compete with those teams that compete for a championship. So moving on, um, I think we want to get into uh, to coaching style uh, for Jimbo and um, kind of how that uh, contributes to our success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so Jimbo is not uh, like a big difference between, between him and Sumlin is Jimbo is not a uh, CEO coach. Um, he's much more cut from the saving cloth to where he's, you know, he's hands on, he's, you know, he's got his, uh, like he's, he's in every drill, uh, coaching the players up and things like that. And not that like, like both of these things can work. Like I think, I think Dabo Sweeney is a CEO head coach. Well, yeah. And it, it goes back to what we, what we were talking about when we talked about, um, Jimbo in that when you give somebody the, the creative control to be able to do their job, you're taking a risk. And so CEO coaches definitely are really, really, it, it, it's very possible that they have tremendous success, but what they do is they take that risk every day by giving a lot more control to their coaching staff and letting those right. guys do what they do. And so you end up seeing a lot of CEO coaches take that risk and then not get a good enough staff to support that risk. And so it ends up not working. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's not a CEO coach, um, not to dog on CEO coaches, but that's a big contrast to what we saw before. Yeah. Someone was like, he was the, the epitome of CEO coach, like, uh, you know, at practice, you know, like he's just kind of steering the ship. And, you know, it was the, the plan of hire, you know, elite coordinators and, you know, really good position coaches kind of let them handle their sides of the ball. Um, and that sort of thing. Uh, and it works for, it works for Clemson. Uh, Davo has always had good assistance. He's had one of the best, uh, defensive coordinators, uh, in the game for, you know, probably closing in on, on a decade. Um, and then if you look at LSU, uh, Ed Orgeron is is the poster child for for CEO coaches, um, and I, th- I think I I definitely prefer to to have a coach like Jimbo so you're not so dependent on those coordinator hires. Like I was about to be say Jimbo's, the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is going to be Jimbo's team and Jimbo's offense, and he's the one that it, that it depends on, and not your assistant. Well, and and that's what. Um, you just look at someone, someone had a lot of success, you know, through the years. And, and he even had a lot of success at A&M, even though we didn't bring back a title. I mean, he still was a really good coach in the sense that he was able to build uh, several good coaching staffs, you know. Uh, but the problem with the, that, that CEO coach mentality is that you've got to be like Debo, you, where, where you hold on to, you know, coaches for a really long time because if they move on, suddenly you're left having to replace them. And 
when you have a really, really good coach or a really, really good coordinator, trying to replace them with a really good coordinator isn't always easy. And um, when you have a good head coach that is is hands-on and, and does that, you see less drop-off with coordinators leaving or you know, right. assistant coaches leaving or, or for that matter, you know, grad assistants leaving. I know a lot of people get all freaked out whenever we see <laughs> grad assistants leave, but at the end of the day, you know, we – they're not what's recruiting, you know, people to A and M, and I think people need to remember that. Um, for for people who get really into recruiting, um, you know, we we can't we can't be, um, what's the word? Hypocritical, I guess. Like you hear a lot of people dog on Texas because you know they they hired Sark and they're like, oh well, you know, they're claiming all of Alabama's recruits, but people go to Alabama for you know, Nick Saban, they don't go for the, the assistant coaches. But then at the same time, we lose a grad assistant and everybody freaks out that our recruiting is going to go downhill. And and it's just, we're in the same boat. People people are coming to Jimbo to play for Jimbo. They're not coming to play for a, a grad assistant. Not dogging on the grad assistants because we have a great staff, it seems like, in, in a lot of different places. But, you know, we... We're in that place. We have a coaching staff where the guy at the top is the guy that everybody wants to play for, and um, everything else is just icing on the cake, you know, instead of right. being set up to where everybody's <clears throat> coming in to play for, you know, the chief, you know, and and then whenever he's gone or whatever, I, that was a bad example in that sense, I guess, but you know, you get like Cliff Kingsbury comes in, great OC, and then whenever he's gone, well, now we got to replace him. You know, and so um, yeah. Well, I think I think the chief example was okay because um, you know you make and make the case that uh, that Tyrell Dotson uh, left early because you know Chief was no longer here. Yeah, yeah, that's. A good I think point. I think I remember that. I think I remember that being a thing. But um, anyway, like I think we're like the main thing we're trying to get at here is. Um, Jimbo's the one calling the shots. Um, it all, you know, comes down to him. He's got full control over the football program. It is not as dependent on his assistance as other coaches have been. And on that note, uh, I know, um, a has a great DC right now, uh, in Mike Elko. He's maybe the best in the country. If not, he's second best, you know, it's him and, and Brent Venables at Clemson. He's a total stud of a defensive coach. And a lot of Aggies are, are worried that, you know, he's going to be a head coach soon. And he will. Like, he, that's his, that's his goal. That's in his, you know, uh, that's his career aspiration is to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. And he's going to leave, you know, in the next few years. But when he does, Jimbo is so respected nationally and we're going to have so much talent on this team at that point, and of course, be able to pay you know any 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 kind of salary that <laughs> uh, he's he's going to attract a high end DC, and I doubt we see much drop off. Yeah, I think we've covered uh, the recruiting and the coaching style very well. I actually, one thing I've, I forgot to mention is uh, with Jimbo's coaching style, um, it's just it's just very physical, like. That was one thing I was worried about, um, you know, w- w- with him coming in. Like, can you can you teach a team to be physical 
if you don't have, you know, the best of the best players. And uh, I think look no further than our offensive line last year, um, you know, all being a few years into the program and finally fully healthy and uh, for the most part, just mauling teams yeah. up front. Uh, I think Jimbo's always going to have a physical team. Um, that's just kind of his his mantra. Yeah, and and I've got an anecdote there um, from when I went to one of the practices and uh, Jimbo. They, they were running, uh, you know, good against good. It was it was you know first team offense versus first team defense, and they were doing the two minute drill. And um, the offense ran a certain play, and and they scored on it. And you see that on on many any practice, of course. Um, but Jimbo stopped, and and this was right when Damani Richardson started playing for the team. It was, it was his first fall camp, and he stopped, walked over to Damani, and he was like, "Hey, do you understand why we d- did the route that we did there?" And he's like, "I want you to see." And so here he is. He's the offensive coach, and he's teaching this freshman, you know, safety. And telling him, here's why we did that. Here's the why behind it, um, so that he could learn. And and that was that was such a big impression on me that I'm seeing. You know, he he wants his players to not only be physical, but he wants them to be knowledgeable and and across the board, not just offense. And you know, let the let Elko teach the defense. It was, hey, I'm going to teach my defensive players why we did what we did on offense so that they could recognize that in the game. And, and it was, it left a big impression on me. Right. That's awesome. That's great stuff, Chase. Uh, so we've been pretty positive uh, in this update so far and rightfully so uh, there's a ton to be excited about. And, you know, a lot of reasons pointing towards, uh, you know, A&M being and becoming one of those elite programs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a few things that Mike could hold us back and keep us from, taking that next step. And the first one I want to touch on is uh, style of play in terms of offense. Um, you, you listen to some national guys um, and you may hear like Jimbo's offense isn't as uh, explosive as it needs to be to compete with the Alabamas of the world. Um, things changed here recently with Alabama going from, you know, uh, running the ball, protecting the clock kind of thing to where now they have, you know, a bunch of first round receivers and they're just airing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, all the top teams do that. I, I don't know if we've seen Jimbo's offense. I think what we've seen in Andam so far, I don't think that's what it's going to look like this year or in the future. Um, yeah. One thing that we talked about before the show was uh, if you compare the 2013 Florida state team that won the title uh, they were, you know, just as explosive as teams are today, but they, you know, did it uh, with with running and throwing. And where today, you know, most of the top teams are are through the air. But well, and and this is one of those things that you can't fully hang your hat on because it's a mentality difference. Um, we talked about how um, we struggled against LSU all through. Um, Sumlin's tenure, and and if you look at how the difference in thought process between our two teams were at the time, LSU was controlling the ball. 
you know, and they were controlling the the time of possession. Um, that is very much how Jimbo has has you know taken our team to where we control the ball, we keep it out of the other offense's hands by just methodically going down the field. And and so when you're going against an electric offense, you're going against you know like a Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans, and you keep the ball out of their hands and you you control the ball for you know. 10 minutes in a quarter, well, you're keeping them from being able to do what they do best, you know, by just methodically getting three and four and five yards a, a play and just right. letting that clock just work against them because you're using that against that team. And so we've seen a lot of that with Jimbo, and and that's why you've seen him win games against teams that are really high-flying electric offenses um, right. At the same time, you know, that could come back to hurt you because, you know, if if they jump in and still are able to score right away, then you see what we saw against Alabama where they put up a ton of points and we didn't really match that, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's so unfortunate that uh, Caleb Chapman went down in that Florida game because I think like in that game, I think that is. Jimbo's offense kind of in a nutshell, like uh, he's going to run the football. He's going to try to run the football and he's going to take deep shots. Mm-hmm. And in that game, like when we had that threat, uh, he took them. And even, even when uh, the pass was incomplete, it still caused a PI because they were so concerned about that threat. So sure. um, hopefully, hopefully Caleb is, is healthy this fall. Uh, I think he will be. And uh, I think, the offense will look different than, than what we've seen, you know, in these first three years. And, and we'll get to that, uh, in some upcoming episodes. And, but, and like uh, we've talked about the physicality that we have, um, that physicality is so, so important. Um, but his play style, you know, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of people, if you look back and, and I keep feeling like I'm dogging on someone, I'm not. Um, but <laughs> if you look back to our tenure with someone, what was the thing that we said every single season? Well, we came out strong. We went five and zero, six and zero, and then we fell off in November. And well, why was that the case when Jimbo's sitting here winning November? You know, a lot of a lot of times. Well, what that is is you look at the amount of time played, um, you know, the amount of snaps that you see per game, and by the end of the season, a Sumlin team would have played three or four games more than a Jimbo team did just because they had so many more snaps in the game. And and that wears on a team after a while, especially if you don't have the depth to um, make up for it. And so I think part of the reason why we've, we've been a pretty slow-moving offense to this point is because we're still building that depth. Um, and then right. now that I really do feel like we have the depth that we need – I do expect that we'll see a lot more um, deep threats and things like that, um, even coming into this this season ahead of us. But you know, the the twenty twenty two season, I really expect that we'll see a lot more of that. You know, yeah, I think we talked we talked last night about how how Jimbo even kind of let that slip, uh, or maybe it was intentional at a coach's night. I mm-hmm. uh, can't remember what 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 city it was in, but. Um, pretty much flat out said like, yeah, like we moved a little bit slower to uh, protect our secondary on defense because we had some young guys back there and uh, not a ton of depth. 
uh, and he went on to say that we have that depth. So um, I think I would expect to see uh, something different and uh, maybe even some more tempo thrown in there. Sure. But um, to kind of wrap us up here, uh, the the last thing that could hold us back is probably uh, the, it's probably the biggest thing, and that is uh, Nick Saban is still employed at Alabama. <laughs> he just signed a, an extension through 2028. Um, I know – Jimbo doesn't care. He's going to beat his ass while he's there, right? That's but, what he says. <laughs> um, that's what he says. <laughs> but um, as a fan, uh, I really hope that Saban doesn't uh, fulfill that 2028 <laughs> contract. <laughs> um, he's, uh, to be brief, like Saban is the GOAT. He's built Alabama into the most uh, dominant and efficient uh, college football program that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might see – Jimbo breakthrough uh, and and knock him off, not you know knock them down, but like you, you can you can steal a few wins and yeah uh, you're gonna you're, you're gonna have to and you know hopefully this year's at home uh, they're breaking a new quarterback I know we are too but uh, that's a, a a huge conversation for a separate episode that we're very pumped about but yeah um, as long as Saban's still around it makes it just you know that much more difficult to to really break through and ascend. Yeah, and and it makes it to where, you know, if if um, we could have a, a season like we had this this last season, you know, where we have a really good team that could have probably beaten almost every team in the nation, um, could have beaten Alabama, and didn't happen, but because of that, we got left out of the college football playoff, and um, that hurts. But at the same time. You know, we're always going to deal with that. And even once Saban's gone, there's no doubt in my mind that Alabama's going to replace him with a really good coach, you know, oh, yeah. um, because he's, he's put the he's put the infrastructure in place to set them up for whoever to come in. And it's going to be a good coach. Absolutely. I think that does it. Um, man, that feels good. Yeah. First first <laughs> real episode. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, sticking around uh, if you're still tuned in and um like, like I said at the beginning, uh, go subscribe, go leave us a five-star rating, uh, leave us a review, uh, send us an email, uh, give us some feedback at ineligiblepod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us at ineligiblepod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow me at CFB on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Chase at TexasAggies15 on Twitter. There's no uh, S in that. Show. It's just Texas Aggie 15, oh, but <laughs> Texas Aggie. Yeah. Don't, don't follow Texas Aggie. I don't know if it exists. Wait, so, uh, that, that should help. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, our next show, uh, will be coming out next week. I think we're going to delve uh, more into the recruiting just because there's so much, uh, like there's so much in that topic that we want to get to and, and discuss with you guys. So, um, be looking for that next week. And, uh, uh thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 